Letter 40 of The History of Lady Barton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The History of Lady Barton by Elizabeth Griffith. Letter 40. Miss Cleveland to Lady Barton. Indeed, my Louisa, your two last letters have afflicted me beyond measure. My heart bleeds for your sufferings, yet reason and virtue both forbid my endeavouring to soothe your grief or stop your flowing tears, unless I could remove the cause from whence they spring. That, alas, can only be hoped for from the lenient hand of time and your own fortitude. I know how very difficult it is to enter so far into another person's situation as is necessary to judge their actions with candour. We must first feel and think as they do before it can become possible. I have therefore endeavoured, by a thorough recollection of your temper and sentiments, joined to the similarity of our natures, to put myself, as it were, in your place, in order to be able, with justice and precision, to give my opinion freely, both with regard to your past and future conduct. I will now venture to tell you that the source of your present unhappiness is to be traced much higher than the era you date it from, your marriage with Sir William Barton. Though I admit your own confession, that your first fault was committed then, it must be the joining of hearts, not hands, that can ensure the marriage rights. I don't misspell the word. And the woman who stretches out an empty hand at the altar, but mocks the institution, and, if I may hazard the boldness of the expression, becomes guilty before her crime, receives an antipast of misery, and puts her trust in miracles for safety." But the partiality of our ever-dear and respected parents sowed the first seeds of vanity in my Louisa's mind. They live not long enough to be alarmed at its growth and to eradicate the poisonous weed. By their death you became your own mistress at an age when self-applause is predominant in every female breast. Young, beautiful, rich, and accomplished, how was it possible you should escape the snares of flattery? They twined about your heart, and I have great reason now to believe and lament that the envied preference you gave to Sir William Barton by becoming his wife was owing more to his having persevered longer than the rest of your admirers in his attentions and attendance on you, than to that just selection which should be the reward of distinguished merit, and in which both love and esteem should happily unite. At the time of your marriage I had made but very slight observations on the matrimonial state, and therefore did not doubt that though you declared yourself insensible of any passion for Sir William, you might be perfectly happy with him all the days of your life. I am now convinced of the fallacy of this opinion, as well as of the imprudence of the declaration you then too openly and unguardedly made. Believe me, Louisa, that this was the first thing that soured your husband's temper. Men are naturally proud and jealous. They do not easily brook disappointments or mortifications. A hopeless pursuit must be attended with both. We are not then to wonder either at Sir William's declining it, or resenting his ill success. In a former letter you say that, had Sir William continued to solicit your affections a little longer, they would have been all his. You know not that, Louisa. Your vanity was flattered by the assiduities of a lover, and your pride revolted at the authority of a husband. Neither of these sentiments have anything to do with passion. Had you loved the man you married, you would have wished to preserve his affection without being vain of it and had you seen it declining you would have tried every means to recover it, without considering how much your pride would be hurt by its loss. 
there are, I am convinced, abundance of ingredients necessary to form a happy union for life. But love is, in my opinion, of all others the most necessary. Like the sun, it not only brightens and gilds every amiable quality of the beloved object, but draws forth every latent virtue in our hearts, and excites us to become as perfect as we can, in order to merit that affection which constitutes our true happiness. Milton seems to be of my opinion, when he makes the first of lovers, and of men, say thus to Eve, I from the influence of thy looks receive access in every virtue in thy sight, more wise, more watchful, stronger if need were, of outward strength, while shame, thou looking on, shame to be overcome or overreached, would utmost vigor raise, and raise unite. I know not why or how I have launched out into this dissertation upon matrimony, unless it be that I wish to avoid the painful subject of your last letters, and yet cannot turn my thoughts upon anything quite foreign to it. I think I ought at least to acknowledge that I am pleased with the resolution you have shown in banishing Lord Lucan, and the delicacy of your motive for confessing your passion to him is the only possible excuse that can be urged for such a hazardous impropriety. But let me now hope that my dear Louisa's virtue will soon enable her to rise above the want of an apology, and that a proper consciousness of what she owes to herself will assist her to triumph over that unhappy weakness which she so pathetically describes as the harbinger of fear and shame. Hateful, destructive passions! Oh, be they banished far from every generous breast! And in their room may hope and joy expand my sister's heart. Mrs. Walter's health continues extremely delicate. The physicians who attend her give me hopes that she may recover, though slowly. If it were not for that sweet promiser hope, I should at this moment be the most wretched of mortals, for at this moment every creature that I truly love is unhappy. Can I then be otherwise? I should be sorry if I could. My brother has given his final negative to Mrs. Colville's proposal. On her account he will not stay longer in Paris, and on his own he will not return to England. He intends to cross the Alps in pursuit of amusement. May he find that, and everything else he wishes. Adieu, my beloved Louisa. F. Cleveland End of Letter 40